Welcome to the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Strokes, Building Up the Nerve, a podcast for neuroscience trainees that takes you through the life cycle of a grant from idea to award at NINDS with the people who make it happen. We know that applying for NIH funding can be daunting, but we're here to help. It's our job. Hi, I'm Lauren Ulrich, a Scientific Program Manager at NINDS. And I'm Marguerite Matthews, a Health Program Specialist at NINDS, and we're your hosts today. In the last episode, we discussed grant resubmissions. Today, we're going to discuss the issuance of the grant award. And as always, I want to state the disclaimer that everything we talk about may only be relevant for NINDS. So if you're applying to a different NIH institute or center, it's always best to check with them about their policies. Joining us today are Dr. Tia DeCoster, the chief of the grants management branch, and Liz Conklin, a supervisory grants management officer in the grants management branch. So please introduce yourselves. I'm Tia DeCoster. I'm the Chief Grants Management Officer. I've been here approximately 12 and a half years. As a Chief Grants Management Officer, I oversee all of the grants within NINDS, issuance of all the grants within NINDS. We have a staff of approximately, um, one fully staff, approximately 25 people, three teams. Each team consists of six people, including the team leader, seven people. Before starting here, I worked for the Department of Justice as a grant specialist, and then I moved into a grants policy uh, policy advisor, uh, driving a lot of public policy for the Department of Justice. Uh, prior to that, I worked with Department of Commerce. Uh, I've worked with private industry, KPMG Consulting, as a senior consultant in grants. Uh, and uh, prior to that, I did work for NIH as a grant specialist in the Hart Institute for 12 years. Wow. So you are truly a grants expert. Yes, I am. <laughs> yes. And what's one of your hobbies or passions outside of work? I like to swim and I like to cook. Hi, my name is Liz Conklin. I'm a supervisory grants management officer here at NINDS. So I have a team of uh, six specialists and I work with them to make sure the awards are correct. And we uh, also work with uh, program officers and the program staff just to make sure we're doing everything, um, you know, by the book. A big part of our job is taking questions from grantees and even potential applicants as well. So we're sometimes we're like one of the first people that they that they encounter when they call. So we you know we try to be there and and be helpful and try to you know redirect things even if they call us and we might not be the right place to call, but we try to redirect as needed. I've worked here for, it'll be 11 years in January. I started out as a grants management specialist, and then in 2015, uh, I became a team leader. So before I started here, um, I you know got out of college and got married and became a mom and was a stay-at-home mom for a little while, and then I went back to school and got my MBA in uh, finance, concentrated in finance, and then saw a job opening for something called the Emerging Leaders Program at Health and Human Services. And I thought, well, that sounds interesting. And within the year, my family and I had moved down from Pennsylvania and we were, you know, started here. So I was very fortunate to be able to be a part of that program. And uh, from there, I went, worked at a bunch of different um, operating divisions at HHS, but then ended up in the Office of Grants Policy uh, downtown in the Office of the Secretary and then um, came to NINDS to do uh, grants work here and work with TIA. And I've, I've been here ever since. So... Yeah, so I do, I have uh, two children. One is uh, just married and one's in college, so I try to spend as much time as I can with them. Um, I knit and uh, spend as much time as I can with my dog, either walking through the woods or sitting on the couch. 
in our last episode, we left off with council has happened. There's been a decision made. The, I think the last last episode was, let's say you have to resubmit. And now this episode, we want to focus on um, an award is slated to be funded. And really, what's happening behind the scenes as the awards are being prepared? It depends. Okay. Um, behind the scenes, if we have uh, addressing programmatic needs or questions that they may have, looking at overlap, uh, budgetary overlap, uh, reviewing the budgets, um, uh, making sure that they are accurate, uh, reviewing uh, um, if information is needed for clarification. We, we work with grantees to get that. Uh, looking at uh, reviewing the FNA rates, uh, making sure we have the most updated FNA rate um, to award the grants. Do you want to talk about what FNA is? Excuse me, indirects, the indirect cost rate. FNA is facilities and administrative costs. Those are the in- indirect costs. So you may hear uh, indirects or FNA, but it's all the same. Uh, working to ensure that we are awarding the grant correctly and and making sure, most of all, that what we're doing is we are federally compliant in what we're doing. Now, what is the just-in-time information and how do investigators submit that? So the just-in-time information has is just like what it sounds like. So it's uh, information that we need just prior to award. So this is information that could be included in the grant application, but even if it is, we're going to need it within 120 days before the award is made. We want to be sure that this information is current. So uh, the elements of just-in-time uh Other support information, that needs to be current. Other items that we might need are um, IRB approvals for human subjects work or IACUC approvals if there's any work involving animals. Sometimes there may be some other information that can be submitted by just-in-time, like if there's a resource sharing plan or maybe some more clarification on the budget or something, you know, something of that nature, that can be submitted with just-in-time. As for how to submit it, the best way to do it is through the Commons. There should be a just-in-time link that's associated with the Commons account, and so that's always the best place to upload it because that ensures that a variety of people here can see it, the grant specialists and also the program officials. If anyone's out of the office, you know, anybody can see that. So that is always very helpful. Uh, When uploading to Just-in-Time, you don't necessarily have to have everything ready before you start to upload. You can upload in pieces. So if you just have some elements you know, you can upload. Very often we'll get the IACUC approval later or the IRB approval later than some of the other support or other documents. So that is acceptable. If for some reason your just-in-time link isn't active, you could uh, please just send that information uh, via an authorized signing official to the grant specialist and also to the program official. I was wondering if you wanted to talk a little bit about the role of the authorized signing official Because I think trainees might not necessarily be aware of everything that that person does or their importance. Okay, the the AOR, or known as the uh, Authorized Signing Official, that person is responsible for submitting information to the NIH. They are the people that we contact if there are issues. They are the people that keep their institution compliant. Uh, So it's important that you work with them. Some offices may call them your sponsored programs office. Some uh, other offices may call them your sponsored research office uh, or research administration. It's important that you work with them uh, so that what what is submitted is correct and you are dependent, you are, your information reflects their institutional policies. Those, again, those are the people that keep your institution uh, compliant. 
Right. And anything official has to come through them. So you might send us something and we'll come back and say, like, no, have your AOR send that to us. Especially if it comes through email. Now, if it comes through the just in time, then you should be all right because you you have um, you know if you have access to the just in time link, then you should be able to upload it without necessarily having to go through somebody else at your organization. Um, but if not, uh, you know that'll just depend on your organization as well and how the privileges are set up in the commons. And also the business official or sponsored programs person or research administration, um, those people are should be your first line of defense when it, when it comes to questions. Uh, because, again, we have to work within the confines of your institutional policies. And if you're at the stage of the award, you've probably already talked with these people because they're the ones who submitted your application. So don't panic. These aren't different people. Um, it may be a, a different specific person, but they're probably coming from the same office at your institution. So if a grant is to be awarded, how long will it take for the investigator to receive their funding? The, the, the big question, when do we get paid? Liz, you ready? I'm oh, sure. <laughs> it depends. It depends. <laughs> it definitely depends. Okay. Yeah, it depends upon what is missing from the application as far as uh, needing to, uh, to be funded. Um, if everything is, is in, uh, the program official has completed uh, the internal process of our checklist. As soon as council's over, we can get that award out. Uh, if there are issues, uh, again, with overlap, if there are issues with uh, any type of scientific concerns, that can hold up an award. So it's best once you once you receive uh, an email from either the grant specialist or the program official, it would be great if you could respond immediately because the faster you are, the faster we can get it out. Liz, want to add something? Yeah, no, that's true. I was, it also, you know, it will depend on our pay plan. So if you, uh, depending on how your application was scored uh, and, you know, the pay plan for the institute, uh, sometimes things are funded on an expedited basis, but that uh, isn't always necessarily the case. So it can take some time. There can be some internal uh, review you know, of course, there's time we need to allow for internal review. So it can take some time. It can be very quickly and it could also take several months. So it really just depends. I would say get in touch with your grants management specialist and, and ask them. Right. And our fiscal year starts October 1st and all the systems shut down. And so that's another um, thing that can delay the issuance of the award. So what is the notice of award? And what kind of information does it contain? And is there anything in particular that investigators should be paying attention when they get that NOA? The notice of award is basically a letter with your money. It's it's attached to your money. Uh, It's important that you read the terms and conditions of the award. Every award has terms and conditions. It's important that you read those. And if you have questions, contact the grant specialist or the program officer. The notice of grant award also tells you the amount of money that you have, direct and indirect costs. It will have uh, information uh, who the program officer is, the program director. It will have information as far as who's the, the grants management specialist. All the contact information you need is in the notice of award spelled out. I would say too, there's no, uh, there's no official award until you see that notice of award. So you're going to get, you know, the NIH will send out many 
um, automatic emails, you know, congratulating on your score, letting you know things were reviewed, that this sort of thing. And that's all wonderful, but that's not an award. So until that notice of award is issued, it's not finished. You don't have an award until then. And Tia mentioned the terms of the award. So those are contained in sections three and four of the award. Section three contains terms that are uh, standard to NIH, to all of NIH awards. And then section four will include NINDS specific terms of award. So especially if you have milestones or if you have a phased award or anything like that, any, any um, you know, in special instructions, please be sure to look in section four. And then at the end, like Tia said, you will have your specific contact information will be there. There may also be um, some contact information in section four that may differ a little bit from the individuals at the end. Those may be extra people for you to contact. The award will also include information about uh, any uh, future years that are anticipated for funding. Now, that's not a guarantee for the future years because it's you know dependent on congressional appropriations, et cetera, but that represents the intention uh, of the NIH to, to fund future years, given that everything goes according to plan. So please pay attention to those because if you're expecting three years and you only get two it's or something like that, it's much better to know early than to know later. So please do read through that. And also, it's good to know who at your organization receives a copy of that notice of award. So the principal investigator will receive that award. Um, And also, uh, of course, the business office uh, sponsored projects, whatever it's called, will receive a copy of that because remember, you know, the award goes to the institution. So it's, it's not just the principal investigator's award. It's, you know, it's the institutional award. So, um, but again, you know, work with your individual business office and they'll help you with any, you know, questions or internal procedures or, or whatnot. Again, if you, for some reason, there's a computer glitch and you don't get the notice of award, contact the business official and they can provide you with a copy of it. Mm-hmm. So when and under what circumstances should investigators contact the grant specialist regarding their award? Questions, questions, questions. Make sure that you understand everything on that notice of award. If you don't understand how the award was made, the dollars, make sure that you contact them and they can walk you through your award, line item by line item. They can tell you what was excluded. They can explain your F&A or your indirect cost rate, what was included in that rate. Anytime you have a question or, or anytime you don't quite understand, please contact the grant specialist. That's why we are here. I would say, you know, they should definitely always feel free to contact, but their, their first line of defense uh, should office. also be, right, the business office, but always feel free to contact us. If it's something having to do, anything having to do with the actual program or the science or, you know, their specific aims or anything of that nature, I would say it's, it's probably best to contact the program official first, because if you contact a grants management specialist with those questions, we're going to say, we don't know because we don't handle the science. So we would just refer you to program. But if you have certainly any questions about the money or the terms or, you know, really just anything, you know, like Tia said, just contact us. And we if we're not the people to uh, to help, we will put you in touch with who can help you. If you ever have questions regarding, well, what's the difference? Money, grants management specialists, science, program officers. Right. And we work together pretty closely um, to get the grants out the door. And so if you if you get confused, you don't know who to contact, just Pick one and they can direct you to the right person. All right. Well, is there anything else you want applicants to understand about the grant issuance process? 
some common misconceptions that you've found that you want the chance to clear up? Some of the, the basic errors that I've noticed with applications is miscalculation, making sure that you are, if the FOA, if it states modular budget, or if it says um, make sure you, you, you comply with if it's a modular budget or if it is a categorical budget, make sure you understand that. Make sure that, again, miscalculation errors, we find a lot of those. So make sure that you're calculating uh, your, your dollars correctly and ju- uh, your justification. Make sure your justification matches your, your dollars. Some other things to keep in mind is um, your budget request, your project request might not always equal the amount of that's awarded or the number of years that's awarded, uh, depending on a number of things. We don't fund infl- inflationary escalation in the out years, so that could represent a cut. We have standard cuts that are applied to our awards, which are outlined in the funding plan. Uh, you can see that on our website under the NINS funding plan, so that'll give you an idea. And also, another thing to remember is that Grant awards, they're meant to be um, assistance mechanisms. They're not always meant to fund projects fully, right? So it's, it's a matter of, of assisting, not necessarily fully funding. All right. Well, thank you both for sharing your wisdom today. And can I ask each of you for one last piece of parting advice for our future applicants? Patience. I agree. I agree. Patience and um, just ask lots of questions. And Marguerite, do you have any advice? Yeah. One of the common themes throughout the the podcast is talk to a program officer. And now you're hearing talk to your program specialist and talk to the people at your institution. Um, These are not people who should feel like strangers to you. They should be people that you know enough to feel comfortable to reach out for any questions. You should not be confused about how this process works. There is a lot going on from the time you think of an idea that you want to be funded all the way to the time that you get funded for that idea. There's a, there's a lot of paperwork, a lot of, um, things to sign, things to submit. Um, but if at any time it gets overwhelming, reach out to the people who are specialists at this. We are experts um, and we want to help you. What about you, Lauren? I think just be being proactive about making sure that NIH has all the information that it needs to issue the award. Um, so making sure your IACOC or your IRB information is in there. and But it can also include other components and just Check with your program director, your grant specialist, to make sure that they have all the information you need, especially if things seem to be taking a little bit longer than they should. Be be proactive. That's my advice. So that's all we have time for today on Building Up the Nerve. Thank you to our guests this week for sharing their expertise, and thank you to program director Dr. Bob Riddle for our theme song and music. See you next time when we tackle monitoring grant performance. You can find past episodes of this podcast and many more grant application resources on the web at nindsnih.gov. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at NINDSDiversity and at NINDSFunding. You can email us your questions at NINDSNervePod at NIH.gov. Make sure you've subscribed to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.